0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, good Monday, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Fantasy Finals week for the plurality of you. And I know that's not everybody. going to start every one of these discussions with the same little disclaimer. I know, I know some of you are done. Actually, those of you that are done are probably not listening anymore maybe you are i hope you are said before we go all off season long here but i i i would understand i think if your season ended yesterday you know head to head and you didn't want to hear me talking about streaming discussion today so what i would say to those of you maybe if you happen to be listening and just like out of habit is tune back in as soon as the off season starts because that's when we start going through All of our lessons learned. How do we get ourselves ready to dominate again next year? To those of you that are still rolling, what's happening? Happy Monday to you all. It's Fantasy NBA Today, Sports Ethos presentation. I'm Dan Bespris, at Dan DanBespris on Twitter. Big thank you again to those of you that are helping us slowly climb the board. In iTunes reviews, every day we just creep a little bit closer to our goal. We're at 785 now which was, I think, at the end, that was where I really wanted to get to. I don't know. We'll see how that shakes out. Uh, again, if any of you guys have a moment, you can go grab somebody's phone, throw a review on there for five stars. I'd really, really appreciate it. would mean, say it means the absolute world to me, and it does. Every single one of them means, is important to me. So thank you to those that have continued to do it. Uh, I want to see if we can get to 800. I didn't think that was going to be a, a, a chance when we were, we got like 10 in the last couple of days. So thank you, guys. I, I can see you chunking along there, helping me, take out a few more of these, and uh, yeah, we just want to stockpile them going into next year. So, sorry for doing that at the beginning of the show, just wanted to get it out of the way. Today, reverse chronological lightning round Monday in full effect, and then, streaming guide for one more week. Last week of the regular season, we will not be doing the streaming guide, because your head-to-head league should damn well be over, which means that anybody listening that last week is just out of habit, or Roto Leagues, my favorite kind. I do head-to-head leagues mostly because I want to be able to talk about them uh, with a knowledgeable approach here on the podcast. I I think overall they're extraordinarily unfair. I advanced to a head-to-head finals last this yesterday in a league I really kind of had no business going to the finals. I had like a five or six game disadvantage going into last week. I did everything I could to try to cover that with streaming. And then really it came down to the fact that my opponent lost like, two of his key players for most of the week. And I didn't. I lost, like, one guy for half a week. That's what it is in the head-to-head playoffs. But that's why we stream. That's why we long stream. We try to load up on games to cover for things like that. It helps minimize, which, again, I don't want you guys to stretch that word to a definition I don't mean it to be. It just shrinks from whatever percentage you think these head-to-head weeks are luck in the playoffs, which it's a pretty big number, when it comes down to injuries like this, it just shrinks that number a little bit. That's why we do these streaming guides so heavily. You overwhelm your competition with games played. I promise it feels silly in the moment because every once in a while you're going to get, you know, the Kavan Looney four board, six rebound, or whatever the hell last Tuesday was. But then over the course of seven days, it works. It works. Like, it, it you, you, it's this rare time of the season where you are only looking at totals. Today, by the way, is the last day for the Warriors of their five-game and seven-night stretch. I think the Knicks had one going. And, like, what if you had streamed Obi Toppin? Yeah, Randall came back, but over five games, you roll them all together, you include today, it'll probably end up being a pretty good stream. Kevon Looney played 12 minutes in the first game of this five games in seven night stretch. He had five points and four rebounds. And at that moment, I'm sure we all were looking at it like, Oh man. But then he came back with two points and 16 boards, couple of steals, eight and eight with three assists, eight and six with two assists and a block field goal percent has been good over that stretch. When you roll all five of those together in a seven day stretch, we're probably going to be talking about someone who averaged about six points. I know stupid low, but over the course of a week, 30 points, what like 40 rebounds, 12 assists or whatever it is, three steals, two blocks, something like that. That's actually a decent week. Like go back and look at some of your matchups for last week. How many guys on your team gave you 40 rebounds? I'm guessing very few. One? Maybe? There weren't that many that in a seven day stretch got 40 rebounds. I mean a four-game week, someone still needs to average ten. So that's why this you overwhelm your opponent with games played. Totals matter, particularly in head-to-head. I've said this so many times, particularly in head-to-head. They really do matter. But let's go backwards through the weekend. Let's see what we can pull out of the pile, more so on the Roto side, because the streaming stuff is going to limit our, our choices a little bit this week. Thank you to Overload Week again, Wednesday and Sunday, big-time overload days this week. But Knicks beat the Pistons. Julius Randle was back, played 31 minutes. I'm a little surprised. I think they'll probably dial his minutes down a tad, down the stretch here, but I don't think it's going to be enough for Obi Toppin to stick. He needs Randle to actually be out for that to matter. Evan Fournier showing signs of cooling off again, so that's not a a must-stream situation. Quickly, Burks, Mitchell Robinson... Julius Randle, all useful in 9-cat. R.J. Barrett has been close at times in 9-cat, but those percentages really do drag him down. Uh, Very good points, Lee guys. So no massive changes there on the Knicks side other than Randle coming back. For the Pistons, over the weekend, Jeremy Grant strained a calf, and they diagnosed it really quickly, which in my mind was like, oh, they might not even really know if this is a strained calf, but they're just going to call it one. And because of that, I don't know if we see Jeremy Grant again this season. Strain calf. Remember with Rudy Gobert? He's like, oh, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be good by the end of the week. And then he was out for like two and a half weeks. Even the the lowest grade calf thing takes two plus weeks. Think about how much these guys use that particular area of their body. So I think Grant is probably done for the year. I feel fairly confident in saying you can drop him in a head-to-head league. And Roto, I mean, you can sit on him whenever, you know, unless you really need the games played and some of us do even if he comes back i think we're probably talking what two games maybe and with all the other bodies that are intermittently rested on the pistons marvin bagley is going to be a a stud these last two weeks Uh, i know the pistons at a glance their schedule doesn't look that great this week but they actually go on the low volume days uh three of them i guess three of their four games are on non-overload days Tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, and then Sunday, pretty much everybody plays on Sunday. So you wipe that one out. But Pistons have a pretty good schedule here this week. Even if it doesn't look like the most magical thing, this is a team where you want to be kind of looking for options. And another thing, please stop playing court Joseph more than 20 minutes of ball game. I, I know that there's like a, st- a stabilizing element there, but just like Killian Hayes do stuff at this point, can we just let him do stuff? Because he would also be a pretty interesting ad for the low-volume days, if we could trust that Dwayne Casey was just going to give Corey Joseph 17 bench minutes or 18 bench minutes and let Killian play 30. We can't really trust it. It still might be worth it, and I'll get to why during our streaming segment. Phoenix beat Philadelphia 114-104, which very briefly made me quite happy because uh, the Celtics are now the one seed in the East. They're, They're tied with the Heat, but... They've been surging and are now a half game up on the 76ers in the battle for the Atlantic Division, although they've played one more game than the Sixers, and I was so excited. And then Robert Williams probably tore a meniscus, so those that era of good feelings didn't live very long. But Chris Paul is back. Phoenix continues to just dominate the crap out of everybody. They are nine games in front of the Grizzlies for the best record in the NBA. They have seven games to go. I mean, they could legitimately get to 67 or 68 wins this year, which is just wild, considering it felt like they kind of proved what they needed to prove during the regular season last year. But they just keep thumping people. Chris Paul being back makes a big difference in terms of you know playing these better teams, but that's a good-ass basketball team. Uh, Jay Crowder, still useful until Cam Johnson comes back. I think that's kind of what we were able to pull away from this. I was wondering if Chris Paul's return would put a hole in Crowder's value, and he probably will take fewer shots now. Mikkel Bridges will take fewer shots as well. Uh, But Crowder's able to do enough other stuff, I think, until we see Cam Johnson. He comes back. He'll take a few of those shots away, and, and you'll see everybody in that starting lineup do a tiny bit less. Philly's got a good schedule this week. We'll loop back around to some of those guys as well. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. Warriors lost the front end of their back-to-back in Washington. Hey, go figure. They're not that great without Steph. Their whole team is built around Steph and Draymond Green. So when either of those two guys is out, things fall apart. Which was a book I think I read in eighth grade. Now I got to look this up. Things fall apart. What is that? Oh, yeah, Chinoa Achebe. Uh, yeah, why well, read that in eighth grade? Hmm. Things fall apart. Anyway, uh, for the Warriors, Otto Porter came back, had a better streamer game here. He takes those back-to-backs off, and his role isn't that secure. Jordan Poole, going to be great tonight with everybody resting. Porter, Thompson, Green, all seems like those guys are probably going to be out. You likely see Damian Lee get a bump up for tonight only. Uh, Kevon Looney will do more for tonight only. Jonathan Kaminga will do more for tonight only. Gary Payton. You guys get it. This all makes more sense on a Roto standpoint because you can just do a one-day ad for, like, I think Looney would probably be a useful center for today. And then he goes back to being a guy you use when they have five games in seven nights in a head-to-head format. Same story with Kaminga. He probably plays 26, 27 minutes, but then you don't want him after that. Damian Lee, same thing. Gary Payton... Probably the same thing. Short burst. KCP, perfecto in this one. 8 of 8 from the field, 3 of 3 at the free throw line. That's pretty cool. Uh, I've been kind of pushing him here as the fairly reliable option on the Wizards. Corey Kispert exploded, had 25 points. He's played okay lately, actually. Um, Wizards do have a four-game week. Unfortunately, they start with a low-volume game tomorrow tomorrow. And then they bounce right back onto the overload days, So a little bit less enticing than it might otherwise have been. Uh, same story for Denny Odio who's been playing better lately. You know, these guys are all falling on the wrong days. As far as Roto goes, uh, I don't think I pick up Kispert. He pretty much only shoots three-pointers. That's kind of his whole fantasy game right now. Um, KCP, yes. stops, yes, obviously. Denny, meh. No, I don't really trust it for Roto. Rui, no for Roto. Sato, maybe, actually, on the Roto side. Assists, steals, decent percentages, typically. That's kind of hard to find. He'll float around that top 100 range in starters minutes, and that's generally startable in, in Roto formats. We talked about Boston just briefly a minute ago. They thumped the Wolves. They've just been creaming teams lately. Offense, defense, whatever. They've just been smashing opponents. And now Robert Williams goes down. Now Horford is already out with personal stuff from a fantasy standpoint uh, Boston is, is every other day this week so they've got the two overload days on Wednesday and Sunday which makes it a little bit hard for me to say go pick up a replacement Celtic since they might not make your lineup on Wednesday and Sunday but with no Horford and no Williams we know Robert Williams is out at least until the start of the playoffs probably longer. Horford my guess pops up later this week until then Daniel Tice probably starts at center. I don't see many other options there unless they went super small and Grant Williams started at center, but that feels crazy little even by Celtic standards. Uh, My guess is that you probably see Horford start, or excuse me, you see Tice start at center. Grant Williams, who started a power forward with Horford out, he continues to do so, and he'll be asked to do more. Grant Williams will do a little bit more than this one. He's a very efficient fantasy player. I like him, actually, as a roto pickup. Uh, The Celtics' backcourt seems to be mostly healthy, although now we're hearing that uh, Jason Tatum is questionable. He's got some knee soreness, and they've got to go the back-to-back in Toronto. So he might miss this one, which would suck, (laughs) because finally the Celtics have a four-game week. Their playoff schedule had been... Bad. 3-3-3-3 three, 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 the last four weeks in a row. They finally have a four-gamer, and Jason might miss one. I mean, that don't do this to me, guys. Head-to-head head again, no real pickups here, Roto. I think you could look at Grant Williams. I don't think I'd go Daniel Tice. I think they end up going small, especially against Toronto. That's not a team that's beating you up inside. LeBron turned an ankle in the Lakers' uh ugh, fugly effort in New Orleans. They led that game by 23 at one point, and Blew it! They blew it. Jose Alvarado got himself a contract. That's pretty cool. He's been playing well lately, but the Pelicans have a terrible schedule this week, so don't even think about streaming anybody on the head-to-head side, and with Brandon Ingram coming back, his minutes will ramp up. That's going to... And Larry Nance, by the way, he sat this one out. He's going to play when they don't have back-to-backs. Jackson Hayes is cooked. Uh, Herb Jones, he'll have these explosion-type games with the steals, mostly, but I don't think I trust him on a game-to-game so much. I mean, again, if you're hunting steals in roto he makes some sense otherwise i i probably probably discount that wouldn't you think i think i probably do um yeah everything else on that new orleans side is i think fairly straightforward uh for the lakers if lebron does have to miss a few ball games they're actually lakers are in jeopardy of of falling out of the play in tournament now they're only a game up on san antonio they really might miss the play in especially if LeBron has to sit. If he sits, Malik Monk, who has actually been decent even when LeBron's playing, a little bit less trustworthy coming off the bench. He goes crazy big. If they play a team with a decent-sized center, which they won't, they have the Mavs coming up next, they're going to get smashed in that ball game. Then you might see a Dwight Howard thing. Melo goes back to being startable when LeBron is out. He's been on the wrong side of Fringy lately anyway. So keep an eye on Monk and Melo. And I think if you're in Roto, just make sure Malik Monk isn't floating around on a wire cuz when LeBron misses games, he takes a ton of shots and that's great because he's actually been pretty good this year. So take a look for those two guys on the Lakers side. Monk and Monk and Mello in particular. Dallas beat Utah 114-100. Utah was without Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell turned an ankle. Utah I think is probably just going to say whatever. We're like we're not going to we're probably not going to fall into the play-in. Although they've lost four games in a row, so anything's possible. Uh, But they'd have to fall behind the Nuggets and the T-Wolves to get there. They only have seven games left. We've got, what, two and some odd change cushion there. Uh, I don't think those guys are playing Donovan or Rudy unless they're 100% healthy. Which, again, makes things a little interesting because Utah has a three-game week and they're on the non-overload days, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. If we get enough warning that i don't know gobert's gonna miss another couple games or donovan mitchell's gonna miss any time there are some fringy streamers like an eric paschal who started at center with no Whiteside around uh wancho hernan gomez has been starting a power forward with boyan bogdanovich out these guys on three non-overload days would actually be kind of interesting because you just want to try to maximize those games played to squeeze those in where Anyway, we'll get into this at the streaming part. Roto side, nah, leave it alone. And for Dallas, Reggie Bullock had one of his hot games. They're not consistent enough. I know it's like two out of the last three or two out of the last four or something like that, but in general, you're trying to catch lightning in a bottle. It's too hard. It's too hard. Uh, Charlotte beat Brooklyn. LaMelo Ball finally had a huge one. He'd been, I don't want to say he's been on kind of like a, a slow pace lately but he'd kind of been on a little bit of a slower pace lately. This is a nice one. This one really got him back on track, and Charlotte's been playing well. and it gives those Hornets a lot of credit. They've won seven of their last ten. Uh, they're actually tied with the Nets for the eight seed right now. Probably not going to pass the Cavs. Cleveland is in, is in free fall with all the injuries they've suffered. They're trying to chase down the Raptors and get out of the play-in tournament. Hornets are not going to get out of it, but they could maybe Secure that 8 seed, which, again, now you're talking win one game out of two instead of two in a row if you're in the 9 or the 10 spots. Streaming-wise, nothing over there. Or fantasy-wise in general, there's really nothing on the Charlotte side. No changes. Brooklyn, no real changes. We see uh, Kyrie Irving now gets to play home games. Got a lot of minutes in this one, didn't he? 40 minutes and a half. Katie played 42. Drummond is still a start. Uh, Lamarck Saltridge was healthy but didn't play which, you know, things are going to get a little bit kooky here because Seth Curry was in there. Bruce Brown, his minutes trimmed a bit, mostly for Goran Dragic. Nets have the non-overload stuff. So, again, we got to look at this team for head-to-head options, not so much Roto options. Let's peel the clock back to Saturday. Spurs beat the Pelicans. That's how they got within, what did we say, a game of getting into the play-in tournament uh, you know, if the Spurs had fallen out, I'd be a bit more worried about this week, but I think their big guns are going to go. DeJounte Murray's been mostly playing lately. They're now within striking distance of the play-in. They'll go for it. Devin Vassell has the Achilles thing going on. Uh, Roto-wise, you know, head-to-head-wise, they've got a bunch of overload day stuff going on, so I don't think that I'd take too big of a plunge on a Spur if they weren't rolling with Murray or or Keldon Johnson, who's been good lately, and Jakob Purtle. Those guys have been fine. Josh Richardson is a maybe. You're kind of hunting threes if you're picking him up for Roto. And maybe you need three balls. That's fine. If you do, you can go that way. Davion Mitchell. Trey Lyles. I know Lyles had a quieter one earlier in the week, but these two guys with Sabonis and Fox probably out for the year. These two guys are locked in. The question I wonder, and, and here's another thing. Kings are also on the overload days. They go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So I get it like they're probably not great moves to make right now. First of all, Mitchell's been added because we talked about him late last week and and Lyles has been added. We talked about him all of last week with the bad schedule. Uh Justin Holiday, I'm probably not adding despite the fact that he does get a little more usage now with the big guns out, Dante DiVincenzo. These guys are both <sighs> Head-to-head, I can't advocate a move unless you're adding two games to your weekly ledger. So with almost any of these guys, you're almost definitely not adding two games to your ledger. Roto side, Damian Jones started, but he didn't play that many minutes here, and his minutes are not at all secure going forward at that center spot. So I'm not picking him up in Roto. Mitchell Lyles, yes. Barnes, yes. With the big guns out, he'll go back to sort of being forced to do more stuff on offense, even if he's kind of thrown into the cruise control here. The questions, I think, are Holiday and DiVincenzo. And I'm considering it. I'm considering it. Um, but Holiday, you're obviously hunting threes and defensive stats. DiVincenzo, a little bit more scoring, I guess, a little bit more rebounding, but poor, uh, poor free throw percent in particular, kind of similarly bad field goal number. I don't know. It's fringy. It's fringy. Orlando. Uh Yeah, I mean, I don't know, with the Magic. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Mo Bamba had a bigger ball game here. Mo Wagner has been decent lately, but again, they're every other day. So, I know massive changes, you know. I think you can start four of the five starters right now, not RJ Hampton. Cole Anthony, Chumo Kiki, Franz Wagner, Mo Bamba, those guys are all startable. If Wendell Carter Jr. shows back up, he probably pushes O'Kiki to the bench. And then I wonder if both of those guys might be starters. But I don't want to go too deep on Orlando. They're kind of... Pfe. This Toronto-Indiana game was a weird one. There was a fire in the arena. They, they had to suspend the game for an hour. And when they started it back up, the Raptors said, we're not going to put Freddie Van Fleet in there. We, you know, once he's loose, we want to keep him loose. And then once he's kind of shut down, we're shutting him down. Hopefully that means he's fine. Hopefully it was precautionary. They had a pretty easy week last week with four game or three games spread out wide this week. They got four with a game off in between each of them, which begs the question, do we see Gary Trent jr? If we don't Chris Boucher, keep it rolling. If we do probably don't. <laughs> Indiana is also a big question mark. Uh, they've got a different set of big men available for every game they play lately. Uh, Jalen Smith was in, Goga and Jackson were out. Miles Turner, by the way, has been shut down for the year, as we all kind of figured he would be. Because of Isaiah Jackson and Goga Batadze being out, we're getting more O'Shea Brissett and Justin Anderson. Problem is, I don't much care for Justin Anderson's fantasy game. I don't really care for O'Shea Brissett's fantasy game because of his percentages, and I know he had a a big game here and a lot of stuff, but did go two for five at the foul line, and that's what he does. Not a good free throw shooter, not a good field goal percent guy who will, you know, everybody has a good shooting game every once in a while. But if you're in a league where you're trying to win either percentage, I don't see how you go that direction. And with Justin Anderson, if either of the other two big men show up, Goga or Jackson, he's the guy who gets pushed down the, the totem pole. So I'm probably leaving Indiana alone. Uh, on the Roto side, you know, I guess you could pick up Anderson and, and hope everybody's still out for the next ball game, but. Wouldn't bend over backwards for it. I don't know what the hell is going on with the Miami Heat. They're in freefall right now. Uh, but I'm not picking anybody up or dropping anyone on that team, so we'll just gloss right over it. Memphis just keeps pounding teams, even without Jaw. JJJ is questionable with right thigh soreness. If he has to miss the ball game, you'd probably see a heavy dose of slow mo. Williams might start, but you'll see more Kyle Anderson if JJJ sits this one out. Uh, We don't know what Brandon Clark's status is yet at the time of recording this podcast. If he's back, that would obviously help him a great deal as well. In the meantime, what we do know is that Ja is still beat up, and so DeAnthony Melton and Tyus Jones are very good streams. Uh, More so on the Roto side, though. Memphis, just a three-game week, and one of their three days is an overload. So this, again, is a team where if you had someone on them already, you can just ride them through Friday. Uh, but if you don't, I don't know how you pivot to them with kind of a poor schedule. Bucks are getting healthy. They weren't very good in this ball game. They're getting healthy. Uh, Drew Holiday sat this one out, but that's why I said they're getting healthy. Shooting guard right now is Grayson Allen. Pat Connaughton, mid-20s minutes off the bench. Bobby Portis, he's being dialed back here with Brooke Lopez ramping up. I think you hold Portis. Lopez is obviously a hold. He's been He's been getting better. Giannis Middleton drew the real question for Milwaukee. Cause they do have a relatively good schedule this week with three of their four games on non overload days is do you take a shot with a Grayson Allen or a Pat Connaughton? Really? I'm inclined to say yes, but you gotta be hunting particular stats. So mostly threes. Connaughton tends to do okay with both steals and blocks Allen more. So the steals guy, there might be a better option out there, and again, we'll touch on that when we get kind of into the streaming 10 minutes of this podcast. Uh, I want to get through the, the reverse chronological. Cleveland, they're moving bodies around, getting people in and out of their starting lineup. Karis Levert started. Didn't matter. They still lost to, uh, to Chicago. Alex Caruso finally played better, and if he's going to get 38 minutes, I think you have to start him. Bulls actually have a really good schedule this week. They're almost all non-overload days. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Great schedule this week for Chicago. So get a bull on your team if you can. Iota still started, still played 32 minutes as the starting point guard. And his numbers are going to be pretty quiet. But again, four non-overload days. If you have someone even with a four-game week, but two of those are on overloads Wednesday and Sunday, and they might not make your overload roster... You could flip them for a bull today and turn it from a two-game week into a four-game week. This is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Add two games to your ledger. Now, if you're in a situation where you have someone on your team who has three games and two of them are on overload days, and there are a handful of teams that do Wednesday and Sunday with only one other game in there, Pelicans, Wolves, Suns, you the list goes on and on. If you have someone on one of those teams that's kind of fringy, you could switch them from basically a one-game week to a four-game week if you can go Chicago today. So Caruso, DeSumo, those guys become coveted because of the schedule. Cleveland has a five-game week. Uh, two of them are on overload days because how the hell would you avoid them in a five-game week? But still, like if you have a Cav on your team, you just roll with it at this point. And it's good to have a body around in case someone gets ruled out. You can always sub them in. Uh, moving Lavert into the starting lineup is interesting. Lamar Stevens went to the bench. Kevin Love went back to the bench. He had started for a game. They're they're, they're trying to mix and match a little bit. Lavert, Love, Mobley, Markin, and Garland. Those guys are obvious five game week studs. You could probably even put Isaac Okoro on that board, although he almost definitely would not make your overload days. And so I think you can probably leave him alone if if there's other sort of schedule winners out there. Thunder in Denver. Um, Jokic got a little bit of help in this ballgame. Aaron Gordon, Will Barton were both decent. But overall, he's still the only one hanging inside the top 100 for that team. And of course, Nikola Jokic is runaway number one. As far as the Thunder goes, they're in mega tank mode right now. Ooh, boy, are they in tank mode. The latest report, is that Baisley is doubtful, Dort, Favors, Giddy, Shea, Ty Jerome, Mike Muscala, Kenrich Williams are all out. Woo! is that an injury report? Who's left? Trey Mann, he's going to get a whole bunch of usage. Theo Maladone seems like they almost have no choice but to throw him in there. Aaron Wiggins is going to have to do some stuff. Your safest plays are Alexey Pokoshevsky and Isaiah Roby. And this I'm talking about even on a Roto standpoint. Head to head, they you know, they go every other day this week, so maybe they maybe they fit into your overloads. I don't know, roto wise, Poku, Roby, those guys are a go for me. Uh, Man, I think I would probably start in roto. Wiggins probably not. Maladon probably not. I'm a little worried that someone pops up or they just decide they don't want to play him that many minutes. Maladon's the 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 next closest behind Pokushevsky, Roby, and Man with the way they're beat up right now. Houston took care of the Blazers, who are also a oh, <laughs> just a hilarious tank fest. Uh, Portland's injury report, nearly as hilarious as the Thunder, or I don't know, maybe more hilarious, depending on how you want to I guess it's not that funny. Uh, Josh Hart, out. Ingles, of course, out. Lillard, out. Nas Little, out. Nurkic, out. Simons, out. Watford, out. Winslow, out. A bunch of those guys got ruled out for the year earlier this morning, too. Oh, and Jason Tatum just got ruled out for today. And Jalen Brown. Okay, so they're just not sending anybody to Toronto. They just said to hell with it. All right, so the Celtics... Uh, man, that sucks for my fantasy team. <laughs> I really needed one one four game week out of Tatum. Oh, well. Uh, Dennis Schroeder had a pretty good game off the bench for the Rockets, but I'm not really changing much, other than to note that Alperin Shengun does seem to be doing more every game right now. He's, he's basically now a top 100 guy. They're giving him... He and and Christian Wood are basically in a timeshare at center for the moment. And it's close. I mean, Wood's like 26 to 22, something like that. But they're trying to scale Wood back a little bit. They're trying to scale Shingun up just to kind of give people opportunity. And to me, I think that's enough to where you could probably use him in most formats. But again, like every other day, if you don't have him already, I don't know how you make that move. And then with Portland... Drew Eubanks is a go. Uh, Chris Dunn is probably a go. He wasn't as good in this ballgame, but again, everybody's out. Trenton Watford out now. Greg Brown is questionable. I don't even know. Brandon Williams, we've seen some of the percentages issues there, but I I have no idea how he takes less than about 15 shots in their next few ballgames with everybody on the shelf. But again, every other day. So... Anyway. uh, Who didn't go over the weekend? That's the question. Who did we miss? Uh, The Hawks. Atlanta didn't go over the weekend. And uh, Gallo is dealing with an elbow thing. So he's probably out. Uh, John Collins is still out. Bogdan Bogdanovich is questionable. Based on what we're seeing there, Trey Young, first of all, is going to have to take about 45 shots a game. Uh, Kevin Herter and DeAndre Hunter are both starts with all of these guys out. And if if Bogdanovich and Gallo are out, then it becomes a way easier call. If Bogdanovich and Gallo are in, I might scale back my, my hunter and my herder calls because they're not going to score 121 against everybody. But, I mean, if those two guys are out, then absolutely. you go. The, the problem with the Atlanta Wings is that there are generally five of them, and if three of the five are out, then you're really cooking with something. Who else played over the weekend? Who else didn't play over the weekend, I should say? That might have just been, might have just been Atlanta Clippers. Clippers didn't go over the weekend. Isaiah Hartenstein's been really good lately. Clippers have a great schedule this week too. So do the Lakers. Come to think of it, we we're talking about some of the Lakers. Actually, you know what? Let's just pivot into stream stuff now, um, because I keep wanting to talk about it in the context of who some of these ads are. And for the Clippers, like from a roto standpoint, generally Reggie Jackson has been good enough lately. He wasn't in this one. Uh, generally, Ivica Zubots had been good enough, and he's actually kind of borderline in this ball game. Clippers lost big, so that turned the numbers around a little bit. Rob Covington has been, and he was in this ball game, and it's kind of been those three guys. Isaiah Hartenstein is creeping up on it. He's been really good lately, so I think you can probably throw him in the mix as a roto play. Good score, good uh, field goal percent, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. That's pretty cool to get out of a center. And you just hope he doesn't take that many free throws because he ain't too good at the foul line. But he's been solid lately. And then with a good schedule, there you go. So let's talk about schedule a little bit. Um, And again, we're basically promo-free at this time of the year because sponsors are like, oh, it's almost April? Yeah, we're going to take a little break. We still love him, and we'll see him in a couple months. That's why I get to just keep yelling at you guys to follow me on Twitter and leave a five-star review because I got nothing else to tell you. So please do follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespers. Leave a five-star review on iTunes wonder if we can get to 800 i doubt it somehow but i don't know prove me wrong prove me wrong did you prove me wrong it doesn't matter streaming guide um so here's the thing over the most of these playoffs we've done our streaming guide as kind of a two day per show thing but i want to just first of all don't use a move today for. No. No, Dan. Dial that back. You can use moves at the beginning of this week. And we talked about that on our Friday show. And the reason you can use moves at the beginning of this week is because everybody plays on Sunday. So you're probably not going to be making a move on the last day of the week. And I would venture to guess that you're probably not going to make a move on Saturday either because everybody... Every single team in the NBA, with the exception of Memphis, plays either Saturday or Sunday or both. So the only way I could see you guys making a move in a head-to-head league this week on a Saturday or Sunday is if you have a Grizzly on your team that—and I'm assuming your leagues end on Sunday. Head-to-head leagues should be over by this Sunday, if not last week. But, you know, we're going to play it out like this is the finals week— that would be the one reason to save one move. But here's the thing. Even with Memphis, sure, you could switch from a Grizzly to a Warrior or a Heat or some team that goes back-to-back for uh, Saturday-Sunday, but that player you pick up probably isn't going to make your Sunday overload roster anyway. So you probably should have abandoned ship on your Memphis Grizzly earlier in the week. Basically, tomorrow. Because then you pull out the Wednesday overload game, and you could still turn Tuesday through the end of the week into basically a three-game, or you can add two. We'll just we'll talk about it in in Delta. So you could probably make it a plus two move instead of a plus one. The question, of course, comes back to one of those math problems we did in the past. Okay, what's the, like what? Maybe your Memphis player is someone you really like. Maybe it's Tyus Jones filling in for Ja three games of Tyus Jones might get you, you know, 45 points and 23 assists in three games. And then you make a move at the end of the week, you pick up somebody and they add one more kind of low, whatever it is, a streamer level game. As opposed to you play your Memphis player today, you make your move tomorrow and then you're, you know, you go non-overload days, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, or whatever. So you're going to get three games out of a streamer, as opposed to one or two out of the Memphis player. So the question you have to ask yourself is is the grizzly on your team someone that's going to make your overload roster on Wednesday? And if so, are they an obvious make or are they just kind of just barely in? Like is Tyus Jones, DeAnthony Melton, these types of guys, are they are they like your seventh best guy? on Wednesday, or are they your ninth or 10th best guy? And what do you lose by subbing someone, but your 11th best player in on Wednesday? So that's that I gain two games, but then do I lose the difference between who I sub in on Wednesday? So you're gaining 1.4 games, or whatever we came up with when we talked about it two weeks ago. That was another big overload week. Alright, so 1.4 games of a sub there. Is it worth it? whatever, I personally think you probably have someone on your team who's not as good where we could still add two games. An example from my own team, and the team I'm playing against might be listening to me right now, but honestly, I don't care if they know I'm going to drop Kevon Looney after today, is Kevon Looney, who the Warriors have a four-game week, but only two of the four games are on non-overload days, meaning today and Saturday. Their other two are Wednesday, Sunday. There's no chance Looney is making my starting 10 on Wednesday or Sunday. He's very much my 13th player, or wherever many bench slots we have on this league, 13th or 14th player. Uh, he and Rui Hachimura. So I lose nothing. This is effectively, for me right now, a two-game week for Kevon Looney. So of course I'm going to punt on him. It's an easy decision. So that's why I'm arguing you should actually consider making moves early this week. The fun thing about, like, Looney, for instance, is he plays today. So I don't have to worry about it today. I can worry about it tomorrow. Make that move for Tuesday. Get one game out of him. Now I'm looking at he probably goes only one time for me the rest of the week. And if I can pick up someone that goes Tuesday, Thursday friday or saturday then i'm going to turn a one game rest of the week into a three game rest of the week so that's chicago and i'll go through some of these teams in a minute here and i'm guessing there are other similar situations out there who else on your team is looking basically down the barrel today of a two game week meaning maybe they have three maybe they have four but how many of those games are actually going to make your roster if you wait, and I know we always advocate waiting because then you're going to know which categories are a little bit closer. If you wait until later in the week, you won't be able to add two games with one move. And I just think it's so damn important, especially if the player isn't very good. Like it's if it's someone you've been streaming and have no attachment to. You probably have two or three of those guys on your playoff roster right now. If you can make one move and turn one of those guys into a plus two games week, you must do it. And there's a lot of choices because the teams I'm looking at right now, teams that have really good schedules this week that tend to dodge overload. Some of them only have a three-game week, but you're going to get to actually use all three of those games. Brooklyn, they go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So that's a great one if you have somebody playing today where then the rest of the week they're only going to get one game. Like if they go today, Wednesday, a lot of teams go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So if you have a four-gamer that goes today and then the rest of their week is three games where only one makes your your, your roster, you can switch to a Brooklyn Net that only has a three-game week and you actually gain two games that way. Same story for Detroit, by the way, although that wasn't the next one I was going to mention. They actually have a four-game week. The last one happens to be on Sunday. So, you know, that would be basically a a fail-safe. Chicago, we just talked about. Today, tomorrow, Thursday, Saturday. Great schedule. And hold them for the whole week if you want. Great schedule. Hold them for the whole week. Clippers, Lakers, Bucks. These teams are also very good schedule. They have the same four days as Detroit, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. So Sunday is the only overload days for that team. Milwaukee has the same schedule. Philly actually goes Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So similar but not quite the same because they got the, you know, they've, that third day in there is is pivoted by a little bit. And Utah is only a three game week, but it's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So you don't worry that much about Sunday. I assume, if you look at your Sunday card, if you look at your Sunday team, you probably have, I would think, 12 of your guys going. Like 12 out of 14. Most teams play on Sunday. You have something you can give up. Now, before you make all these moves, this is important, before you make all these moves, go look at your team and find out how many overloaded players you have. For instance, on my Wednesday, I have... 13 out of 14 guys going on my Sunday I have all 14 of my guys going so it's a really easy decision for me I can basically sacrifice three guys that are going on overload days so in my mind I'm thinking okay how do I turn these three players into six extra games this week and without getting into too many of the specifics, most of it is let them play today. Most of these guys go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, that I'm talking about as potential overloads. Now, I get it. Kevon Looney's Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, but effectively that's the same thing. Meaning Monday, Wednesday, and Sunday are three of their four games during the week. That's three of the four. It doesn't matter where the fourth one occurs. That's the one that they'd actually play. That's the one game you're actually sacrificing starting tomorrow. So I pretty firmly believe that you know you could pivot to Chicago today if you had someone that just kind of had a bad schedule this week, like one of those teams we're talking about that has Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Especially if that team... That team might be a one-game week for you, so you switch them to a Chicago Bulls, so you're basically gaining three games by switching that one. That's the one... I believe situation you make your move today is to get to Chicago from a team that has a three game week where two of the three games are on an overload day. Those teams are uh, Minnesota, New Orleans, and Phoenix. I think are the only three. There aren't that many fringy guys on those teams. Minnesota, I guess has a couple of fringy guys. New Orleans, yeah, I mean, you know, because st- we were streaming them Saturday, Sunday at the end of last week. Remember, they had three and four days. So, like, if you're sitting on Herb Jones or Jose Alvarado or Jackson Hayes or Devontae Graham, I would argue those are guys where you should abandon ship today and go to a Chicago Bull because you're basically going to get an extra three games this week. And if the player is a tiny bit worse on Chicago, which they might not be, like, if you switched from... uh, Jose Alvarado to Alex Caruso, that's kind of a wash. That would be a way to get yourself three extra games today. But again, that's really localized to Pelicans, Wolves, and Suns fringe players. Pat Beverly would be a fringe player because he's always hurt. Uh, Any power forward on Minnesota will be a fringe player. But you're not dropping Cap, you're not dropping Anthony Edwards, you're not dropping D'Lo. For Phoenix, you're not dropping Aiton or Booker or Paul. Or Bridges. Those guys make your overload roster. There's too much of a drop-off there between a top 50 guy and a top 130 guy. You're making a move. It feels like you're gaining two games, but you're really just gaining, like, 0.8, probably, because the game you're sacrificing is so valuable for whoever you're dumping in behind them. So it really does have to be a fringy guy. Jay Crowder probably classifies as fringy in this regard because his replacement isn't that big of a drop-off. So if you can gain two or three games there, then you're gaining quite a bit. So look to see if you have any Wolves, Pelicans, or Suns on your team. And if you do, get to a Chicago Bowl today. If those teams are not a feature part of your, your club, meaning if your streamers weren't really from them, and I'm guessing we might all have at least one Pelican because of how good their schedule was to end last week, So take that guy and go to a Chicago Bull. Otherwise, look for the players on your team that are closest to your worst players, meaning the ones that... And I think the easiest way to look at it is to look at your Wednesday or your Sunday team calendar and look at... Set it. Actually, set it. Set your Wednesday and your Sunday and see who the one, two, three, or four guys are that aren't in your starting 10. And then... Drop them tomorrow. Drop them on Tuesday because they're probably playing today. Remember? Almost everybody that we just didn't, like, other than Minnesota, New Orleans, and Phoenix, who we just talked about, almost everybody that goes Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday has a Monday game or a Tuesday game. That's a different bird. There's a couple teams that go Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, but they're kind of their own little beast. Those are ones where you probably make your move on Thursday. But a lot of teams are going Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So look for those players that did not make your Wednesday or Sunday lineups as you set them and drop them tomorrow for someone who does go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, whatever. Because at, at that point, you're basically taking, you get the game out of that guy today, that streamer, they go Monday night, and then the rest of their week is effectively a one-game week because they weren't going to be in your overloads. If you can turn that one gamer over six days into someone that three games of theirs will count, that's a worthwhile move. So make your moves early in the week if you can add two or three games to your ledger. Overwhelm the competition. I know sometimes you go back and you're like, ah, I made this move, I got three games out of this guy, and they weren't very good. I think that happened to me two weeks ago with Markel Fultz. He actually played because they didn't have any back-to-backs, and he was just bad. But at the same time, the guy I dropped wasn't going to play. He wasn't going to play for me. Someone mentioned that to me on Twitter. They were like, I really think I should go for quality next time because I had five more games than my opponent. And I still lost. No. I think, I legitimately think that team would have probably lost by more if they tried to find just the one really good streamer floating out there as opposed to the one who has three games. Three games are going to beat one almost every time. Not every time. Three bad games out of Markel faults two weeks ago might have lost to one good game on a different day of the week. But that's pretty rare. Most of these streamers, like two weeks ago, there very, weren't very many choices, like Orlando and Detroit. So you really had to go dumpster diving. This week, you've got options. I think I just mentioned a few of them. I'll go through them again. Brooklyn, Chicago, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Bucks, the Sixers, and the Jazz. That's a pretty good handful of teams to pick from that have better schedules this week. And then as you look ahead, if you have one of those weird teams that goes Tuesday, Wednesday, I think there's one or two of them, Dallas, Washington, maybe. Uh, and like if, if they're not going to make your overload you could make a move for those teams probably on Thursday because you'll get the Tuesday game out of them. That's good. That's effectively like getting the Monday game out of one of these teams. And then on Thursday, you look ahead and you're like, okay, well, they're only going to get in my lineup on Friday. If I pick up someone that goes Thursday, Saturday, I add one game. It's not quite as enticing. So look at all of the pieces. See what makes sense. Those two teams are a little bit tougher to deal with because they've got the Tuesday game. So you could move off of them today, maybe to a Chicago Bull. Maybe you turn a two-game week into a four-game week. That would be kind of your one play there. Otherwise, you're a little bit up a creek. It becomes very hard to add more than one game with that type of player. All right, this one went longer than I thought, but there was a lot of streaming stuff to talk about. Good luck. Let's start the week on the right foot. I'm Dan Vaspers. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. We'll do it again tomorrow Let's to get us through this thing. So long, everybody.